Kate Lazat for How only are you today? 13 more months. Oh my god, ew. <laughs> ew. You know, I am doing great. Okay. Love to hear it's, that. It's Wednesday, my dudes. And uh yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Much better now that I'm here with you. Oh, uh, as I know always. We only have a, a few more weeks until we are blessed to be in each other's presence again. Until we're in each other's gentle embrace. <laughs> I'm nestled in your bosom once again. <laughs> <laughs> Where you belong. Where, Where I you belong. fit. So, t- so gingerly. You know, Nicole, I have a question for you. What is it? Is there anything that you're really caring about this week? There certainly is. Tell me about it. You know what that is? What? It's the rumor that Dylan O'Brien and Sabrina Carpenter are maybe dating. And you know why I care about this? Tell me why you care about this. Why should I? Should I care about this? You should care about this because if you will remember correctly, Dylan O'Brien played the leading role in Taylor Swift's version, all too well, 10 minute version. Okay? Correct. He played the leading man. And. You watched that film and you thought, that's crazy that that old of a man and this young of a girl are in a relationship together, right? You think that. You do think that. like, that's absurd because what are we paralleling? Paralleling? Is that a word? I don't know. Um, Taylor and Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yes. Same age difference. Mm -hmm. However, Dylan O'Brien is now dating Sabrina Carpenter, who is the same age Taylor Swift was when, and he is the same age that Jake Gyllenhaal is. And you know what? I just, this better be a rumor because Dylan O'Brien is better than this. Yeah, correct. But he has a type. He has an absolute type because I don't know if you remember, he was dating Britt Robertson. Yep. Okay. And you know what Sabrina Carpenter looks like? She looks, she looks like just a slightly different version of Britt Robertson. And this is why, Dylan, give me a chance. I'm also blonde. Okay? We can make it work. We can make it work, Dylan. We can make it work. Just call me. Just call me. And that's what I'm caring about this week. You've convinced me. I care about that now, too. You've charmed me. You've charmed me. (laughs) What are you caring about this week, Kate? It's your turn. You know what I'm caring about this week? Tell me. I'm caring about Lizzo being well on her way to EGOT status. EGOT status. Yes. I, that's what, that's the only thing I care about, I think, at this moment. Like, I care about it so much. You shouldn't Lizzo, care about anything else. Lizzo got her first Emmy. She could, she could easily get an EGOT. No doubt about it. No I can see her being doubt. on Broadway. She could write yes. a song for her. She could act or she could write a song um, in an Oscar-nominated film. Absolutely. Yeah. Lizzo is getting an EGOT, and I care about that a lot. And I cried when she got her when she got her Emmy. Her speech was incredible. I'm just, like, watching it on loop. And, I mean, I loved her show. The show that mm-hmm. she won the Emmy for, Watch Out for the Big Girls, changed you me. You did love that. That was I, something you were caring about deeply. You were I cared about, about that, that show. Yeah. Yeah emphatically cared about that yeah watched it all in a single day like if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this podcast you got to watch it um so that's what i'm caring about this week and nicole why are we why are we talking about you know things that we're caring about this week and why are we trying to convince the other person that they should also care well first of all because you guys should always care what we're caring about Duh. <laughs> but secondly because we have the wonderful lucy who is the admin of Shit You Should Care About Instagram page on the pod today. We sure do. And first of all, everything that we just said is shit you should care about. But we're going to talk with Lucy about F1 because recently she has realized that F1 is something, is some shit that you should care about. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to learn it all. She's a newer fan. She has questions for us. Uh, and we're going to dive into, you know, the origin story of of her account uh, that she started with her two best friends. Um, does that sound familiar to anyone else? Love. I love it. Uh, and then we're going to dive into some questions that she has for us about F1. And and it might be some questions that some of our listeners have. And 
it's just going to be, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Well, before we do that, Nicole. What? We do have to say, welcome to our show. Oh, right. Duh. Obviously. <laughs> um, today, well, not just today, all the time. This is TG1F, an F1 podcast with Kate and Nicole. Uh, we are your hosts of that show. My name is Kate. I am Nicole. This is our show. And today we are very lucky to be joined by Lucy from Shit You Should Care About. And uh, without further ado, here is that conversation and action. Well, welcome Lucy to the Two Girls One Formula podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. I am so excited to be here. I feel like I've had so many people in my morning newsletter and also on Twitter just telling me, oh, you remind me so much of the Two Girls, One Formula podcast girls. Or like when I started mentioning F1 on Shit You Should Care About, everyone was sort of like, okay, well, you need to meet these fangirls who are also into F1 because it's kind of my brand as well. So great (laughs) to be here. It honestly feels like a match made in heaven. Um, And so we were so excited for you to kind of start putting F1 on Shades You (laughs) Care About and and putting it onto the pop culture scene because F1 and pop culture is our our brand. It's the most important thing to us. Obviously, there are a lot of different ways that you can watch F1 and, and the more technical side of things or whatever, but we love the the pop culture we love how ingrained celebrity culture is in here um how crazy it's kind of blown up in the past couple of years so to see you joining in the conversation and really putting it on a global scale is incredible so thank you so much for finally oh. becoming a formula one fan um <laughs> and introducing everyone else who I has been fighting against it yes. for so long <laughs> i also think like our DMs must have gotten like broken the the day that you fo- posted your first thing about F1 because everyone oh. that follows us <laughs> was sending us the same post from you and they were like, she likes F1 now. You have to have her on the podcast. <laughs> it was so funny. And I like I was just like copy pasting the same answer. I was like, we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to try. And then oh. here we are. Here we are. Because, yeah, I feel like I just – love being a fan of things and I feel like yes. half of our half of our brand is you know I explain the news to people I try and make everything make sense in the best way that I can and that's that's like my academic side which I love love her mm-hmm. she is great but then <laughs> I feel like my fangirl side is stronger it taught me you know being a fangirl teaches you how to build a community and make a website and you read fan fiction and you're like editing it in your head or I was anyway and yes. I'm just like bro loving things taught me how to do everything I do for shit you should care about and yeah who am I to like you know get successful in writing the news and push away the fangirl side like no way no way no way. So, and being a fan of things and being a fangirl teaches you to do your research. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> if you are not a fangirl, then I'm like, I'm like the, like the running joke forever. I feel like for everyone is that like fangirls could run the CIA or the FBI or like yes. any like spy network because like we know how to do our research and we know how to extract information. So I feel like it makes perfect sense that as and- someone that now does the news – you were first a fangirl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think employers should be, you know, we shouldn't feel embarrassed to put all these skills on our resume mm-hmm. because employers are never going to find someone more passionate about these skills that they've learned, like Photoshop or coding or whatever. If you've learned it because you really want to build a fan page or whatever, you're going to have learned every single little bit about that HTML and you're going to be exactly. the best damn worker <laughs> that. Honestly, I'm just here advocating for any anyone who's a fan of anything to put it on your CV because it's not wasted hours. I feel like I was always taught that it wasn't really legit or it wasn't, you know, you could never write that that shit in your skill section of your resume. And now I'm totally. like, actually, 
I would have spent like eight hours a day learning this shit. So I should be employed <laughs> for it. You know, I mean, I, I learned like how to. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. sorry. I learned how to Photoshop a fo- because I wanted to Photoshop a picture of me meeting Nick Jonas. So Same. that was the catalyst. <laughs> so oh, like. <laughs> Um, okay, quick question. Are you now, because I was also a um, Mrs. Nick Jonas, but now I'm massively on the Joe Jonas Same. Side? I've, yeah. I've, I'm, I've given up my Nick um, love. I've, yeah. I've apologized for my crimes and I'm firmly on the Joe train now. Yeah. And I'd I like think- to say I was always on the yeah. Joe train. Oh. But I've, al- so I was always on the Joe train. However, he's now co-pilot with Kevin. Oh, I'm a big Kevin girl now. Okay. I mean, what was it? Was it that? Was it at the ro- the roast where he was wearing the lime green suit? And I was yeah. just like, that was it for me. That I was like, I'm done. Like he <laughs> uh, he was teetering on the edge for a while, and then he came in that suit, and I was like, all right, well, that's it. He's just solidified himself as a top <laughs> yeah. contender for my heart. And now. I think this whole conversation is a great example of like. You know, changing your opinion when you're presented new information, which we should all be able to do, whether it's with the news, whether it's with politics. Like, it's very healthy to be able to change your opinion when you learn more. And that is what has happened from the next Joe pipeline. Exactly. (laughs) Nicole and I went, Nicole did not have great taste, apparently, when she was younger, because we also both had to go through the same... um, reckoning shall you say apology tour about um liam payne we were both Mm. big liam girls and we have had to apologize (laughs) yeah yeah repent our sins there but again (laughs) were we to know no like no no, none of us were to know so i think we just all go forward with grace everyone will treat us with grace we will give it to the universe and we will just move to Harry, perhaps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm a big Nile girl now too. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Can't go wrong. Oh my god. And okay, no, I was about to launch into like a whole. I was going to say chat, but I'm like, no, we're actually here oh. for F1. <laughs> I know. I was going to say we could probably talk about a million and one other things, but I would love to know kind of how you started. Shay, you should care about obviously. We've kind of been talking about this because you're a fangirl and you want to talk about the news and journalistic side. Um, but like what prompted you to want to start this newsletter, start this account um, and and kind of how your journey has changed from the beginning to now? Okay, well, I was studying, um, I was in my third year of university and I was studying media studies and international relations And it sort of just got to the third year of me being there. And I did like well in all my classes and stuff, but everything that the lecturers were putting up on screen or bringing up or referring to, I was kind of like, why am I not picking up what you're putting down? Why am I not understanding any of the news? Like, I just can't connect with it because I need, I think, like a lot to keep me like focused I need some colors and I need like not jargon and it can't be really long and so I text Ruby and Liv who run shit you should care about with me and they've been my best mates since we're from a very small town in New Zealand and since we're about 15 we've been like sisters and so I text them and Mm. just said I think we should start something called shit you should care about where we can talk about literally anything it can be mental health it can be world news it can be Harry Styles and truly, like, have not strayed from those initial texts. <laughs> I love like, that. At all. Um, and so that was in 2018. And then we thought it was going to be like a blog and we, we were mm-hmm. all writing for it. And then really quickly realized, like, blogs, they, we were kind of past the point of blogs. And then one time yeah. I just, I think it was 2018, I don't even know if you had, like, carousel posts on Instagram. And I just put something about... I think it was about like a gay marriage ruling in India or something on Instagram, like as information, not as a photo. And I was like, okay, this is kind of like, didn't feel groundbreaking at the time, but I think (laughs) there was no one else really doing that, like putting words on a photo site. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah, and then I just kept doing that. Ruby and Liv, um, Liv went and studied. Rube's got another job. I just kept doing this in the background because I was just, I loved doing it. I loved learning about the world. And then I loved communicating it with young people in a very easy and like non-judgmental, non, like no ego, just a very New Zealand way, I think. Mm-hmm. And then was meant to move to London and then the pandemic hit and Rubes mm. and I were stuck at home and people didn't understand the pandemic. So we started doing like no bullshit COVID updates. And then we had the resurgence of Bla- the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, which mm-hmm. was obviously mm-hmm. huge, but not um, something that we felt like three Kiwis should really be inserting themselves into so that was when we really were like okay as editors we have all these amazing people in America that we can reach because we had already a bit of a following and so Mm -hmm. it was when it really became it was never about us because we never put our faces to it we always say like you don't know who runs the BBC and do you need to like you don't know what they look like they're not influencers neither are we it's not about us and then um yeah we sort of really decided this is a platform that we can use for other people. We have access to just, like, we're not activists. We're not an activist account, but we have access to, like, the fucking smartest people on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there was a bit of a, there was a reckoning for us and a lot of sort of how do we take this forward in a really meaningful way, and that was great um, for us to learn. And then, then there was the Donald Trump shit show, and then there was also a New Zealand election. And I think just 2020 as a whole, everyone being inside, the world turning to shit, and then yep. us taking it on ourselves to be like, oh, well, we can't move to London. We'll just explain the news. Yeah. Um, just sort of propelled things. And then it was at that time where celebrities, I think they didn't know how to show that they cared about things. So, you know, in 2020, yeah. they just the all imagine. Like, we will share everything. <laughs> yeah. And, like, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I am like not at liberty to say I don't know whether Mm -hmm. it was a net good or net bad but I mean people like Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish and like Olivia Rodrigo just started I think coming to us as a legitimate source for their Mm -hmm. news which was gorgeous but lots of pressure because then you get this huge (laughs) following and you're like yeah well no one teaches you how to deal with this much trolling or this much attention um (laughs) But I think, I mean, you guys on a similar level, like running something with your really good mates is actually the best because you know what real life is. You will check in in real life. Like the internet's not real life to you. Right, Um, right. It's important, but you have to have people, I think, keeping you. Totally. We always always say that because like not only do they keep you grounded and like you have someone else that's like literally doing, having the exact same experience and you can be like, is this crazy or like, am I overreacting or like, am I taking it too personally? But also like you can take a break, which like I think we've always said is like, we would not still be doing this probably if it was only me running the account or only Nicole running the account because Mm -hmm. it can just get so overwhelming. I think to be like all of this like pressure on you or all of these people talking to you all the time. And, and it's nice to even like, if something is just overwhelming at one point, just be like, hey, I'm like, I'm going to take a couple days. Like, can you Mm. keep an eye on things? And like, and then I'll do the same for you. And I think that's, that's the best part about having like a partner to do it with because like it is just like super equal and it's a give and take and, and you can keep each other grounded, but also keep each other sane (laughs) with it. I mean, totally. Ours is a little bit different because I am the only one writing or like I'm the only one making this stuff for the account, but it is like Ruby does the commercial side and the partnerships and Liv does all the creatives, but they're still seeing everything that's happening online and they will like take, they will be like, Lucy, you know that like we're here and this is real and the people that love you are here and we don't care, you know, if someone's commenting really nasty shit to you or whatever, um, we know you and so they're very good at just like that yeah. I think removed yeah. enough that they can just pull me like yeah. the way That's but for awesome. the most part I'm, I feel like most of the time I 
and responding to the newsletter and the newsletter is the best like just only the most wholesome and gorgeous people I think yeah. read a daily newsletter and yeah. really yeah. love you so it's <laughs> right. like Those you pick your community your right yeah, yeah exactly um exactly and it, yeah and that's kind of the story and now it's all of our full-time jobs and we have two it's podcasts awesome. and a morning newsletter and it's the best, but it's a lot. It's like 12-hour days, like every day, but it, we love yeah. it. We love it. I love that. I mean, you've worked very hard to to get to where you are, so it's it's amazing to see the success and just the love that comes from your community that you've built. Um, and so love love to hear that. And love to hear that you've you've maintained your fangirl status throughout it. Oh, and you yeah. didn't say that that's not journalistic integrity. Like, no, that is. Um, and I'm never going to let it slip. Oh, I mean, we're all the amount of times I've had to comment back or message mostly dudes saying, you know, we're all three dimensional humans. We all are interested in so many different things. We can like Harry Styles and Formula One, care about the climate, want to vote out a president. Like, you know, like all of this can be true at once. Um, But some people, I mean, you, we were just talking off mic about your Thirst Trap Thursdays. Is it Thursdays? Yeah, and it is, the way yes. that people get a bee in their bonnets, and for what? Like, for what? Why? Just scroll past. Literally. It was, yeah, I mean, that was a crazy thing. I think that's the first time for us, Nicole, that we have ever had something, like, we've had trolls before, and we've had people come mm-hmm. into our comments and, like, not totally love, you know, what we were doing and take some problem with it. Um, but it, it's never been, like, at a scale where we were, we, we were like had to turn off comments and put up some mm. different privacy features. And cause they were like, there was a weird thing. They were like, they had a countdown on stories that they were like planning something. It was like, it was pretty <sighs> like, we were like laughing about it because we we're like, this yeah. is like, you're mad that we posted a photo of an F1 driver without a shirt on that he had just posted on his account yeah so like it was already it was like it was very funny to us but we were like whoa this is like we've never we were like it went went too far when they started targeting people in our comment section and going to their dms and going to their pages and so we were like okay that's you can you can hate on us all you want but do not attack other people who are in our community so that was annoying but you know what it's not for them and we do not care yeah yeah we're moving on but oh I would, you know, I, this is a little bit of a Formula One podcast. And while we can talk all day about literally anything else, which we regularly do, um, (laughs) I would love, I'd love to also just hear what got you hooked on Formula One? What was your journey into Formula One? Um, okay. So (laughs) my little brother, James always loved Formula One and I didn't really lean in. I didn't really get it. Like this was pre-Drive to Survive, right? He was watching it. He was loving it. Like went over to Italy, like broke onto the Monza track. Like I didn't really get it. I was all just like, that's great for you. And I love that you're interested in this. I don't get it. (laughs) And then um, I saw him watching Drive to Survive once and I was kind of like, oh, what's that? Oh, it must just be a documentary, blah, blah, blah. And, and then, so I've got three brothers. My other two brothers and my dad are also obsessed with it. Like we'll get up at 3am to watch all the races. And again, I was like, great for you. Probably not for me. <laughs> um, but then, then I don't know what made me start watching Drive to Survive. I think my brothers were like, Luce, you'll actually really like this. And it probably was a bit of a, like, we're really close, but I think I wanted you know, to be able to connect like on another them. level. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and it's actually really cute because I host one of our podcasts with my brother, Nick, um, called The Shit Show. And he always used to want to talk about F1 news. And I would always be like, no, like, no. We, we should have had Nick on the podcast too. I know. He, um, <laughs> he works Mm. like normal hours like a normal person but I did say to him he did say to me like Lucy if you get stuck on any of the questions like just ring me I was like oh Nick's so cute um but he'd want to talk about F1 and I'd be like nah like that's not relevant and then I started watching Drive to Survive obviously 
fell in love yeah with everything just i don't know it, it just feels real i know it's like dramatic and dramatized but it's just it felt like cozy i just loved it and then yeah and then i felt like so i finished drive to survive and then i started watching this season like getting up and watching some actual races and uh and then i started re- you know when you're a fangirl obviously you just start like reading all the shit around mm-hmm. and, and i was yeah and i was seeing um a lot of the sort of back and forth between people not loving the new Drive to Survive fans that have all come from this Netflix documentary, like, versus the OG fans. And then then when we were going to go on this podcast, I was like, okay, I need to talk to you two about your thoughts on, like, me coming in as, yeah, a Drive to Survive fan turned actually want to go and watch a fucking GP in real life one day. Um, compared to the OG fans, what's what's the story there? So I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of breakdown. It's 2014, 2015, and Liberty Media buys the rights to Formula One from Bernie Ecclestone, whatever his name is, and um, it's an American private equity equity firm, and their number one task was to make F1 more popular, and especially wow. in America. Okay, F1 was losing money. It was super expensive. It was like decreasing in popularity and people were not going to the races. And so Liberty Media is like, how can we make F1 cool again? And they said, Netflix. And Netflix absolutely did that job, right? It made it accessible Mm -hmm. to a lot of people, especially people who were stuck at home during the pandemic were like, okay, what do I want to get into? It was quick 30, 40 minute episodes on a very intense and interesting sport that they hadn't really considered. Um, It highlighted the individuals behind the sport and not necessarily just like the technical side of things. And it gave people actual feelings and that's something especially here on this podcast we talk about a lot is that women specifically connect with that really well um Mm. so you know women were now watching the show and let's not let's not even pretend to lie about it they're all very attractive men right there's a lot Mm -hmm. of cute guys up on that screen for us to be like i'm intrigued so that kind of hooks you in and then you start to consume more and you start to understand and now all of these fans who are new to the sport and want to, wanting to go to the sport, you know, all of the older fans, the old guard feel, you know, like they are losing something and it's being taken from them yeah. in a way that is not necessarily true. Um, it's, it's very interesting because it's like, well, I guess now I can kind of, I can kind of see the other side. F1 is becoming more expensive to go to. It's becoming harder to get tickets to, right? Um, Because so many more fans are involved. But it's like, wouldn't you want your sport, your favorite sport to be something that is enjoyable to watch? That is, And more people want to watch with you. You can share it with more people. Right. Like my ex-boyfriend used to beg people to go to races with him, beg people to come watch races in the morning. And like now I don't even have to ask really. I'm like, you want to show up at 9 a.m. to eat some good food and drink some alcohol and watch cars go fast? And everyone's like, say less. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, it's they just they're they're fighting against kind of a dying moment. Um, And it's. And that's kind of where we see a lot of the backlash, especially to the two girls, because they're like, you're not doing it the way that we did it. And that is wrong. Yeah. And it really is giving like when you're younger and you knew a band before everyone else knew about it and you just wanted to gatekeep it. But then you get older and you realize if everyone gatekept their favorite bands, their bands would make no money. They wouldn't be able to release music. They wouldn't go on tour. Like it's a very adolescent I think but very valid like I totally see the gut reaction to feeling like your thing is being overrun or whatever is a very valid feeling I'm sure we've all felt it but I think but these are like 40 year old men where it's like like, you're a little too old to be acting like this (laughs) 
No, like the benefit of the doubt, we don't, it doesn't really extend that far. Right. Maybe. Um, okay. And that was a great explanation because I didn't know that there was like an assignment given that was very much understood to um, bring more people into the sport. And you're right, it did fucking work. <laughs> It, it worked really almost did. too well, one could say, um, but I like, and again, where we did happen to watch the sport before Drive to Survive came out. So it's not, you know, but we're never like, you know, people who come into our comments and they're like, you only watch because Drive to Survive. And we're like, so what is your argument if that that is yeah. were to be true? Like, that's not yeah. a negative in our case. So like, yeah, we don't care. Um, but honestly, how did like, you both, if, how'd you both get into it? Um, my ex-boyfriend, uh, he was really into it and, uh, he just started watching it and we like lived together. So I was like, all right, well, this is going to be every weekend for the rest of my life. Um, (laughs) might as well get into it. And so, you know, I'll tell you, Danny Rick is my favorite. Um, and I, I really loved him because he just had the most personality. And so I was watching. I love that you're talking about him in past tense. I really loved him. He had, oh, well, I, at the time when I was picking a favorite, that's uh, why I loved okay. him. Not, okay. uh, we can't get into this right now. Um, no, I know. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I was really just interested in him because I was like, okay, he's got the most personality out of anyone. Um, but I'd be curious, who was your favorite driver? Um, okay. So while I was watching Drive to Survive, I don't know what season it was. And this is before I even knew like what was happening in real time. I had a real soft spot for Alex Albon. I don't know why, but I was just like, you are so Why nice. would you not? Why would you not? Like, how could you not? Like, he's just so cute and nice. Um, But then I love um Danny Rick because of his <laughs> smile and because he feels yeah. very close to home. I also mm-hmm. really love Lewis Hamilton. And a question for both of you. And then, Kate, we're going to get to how you got into F1 because I know – I know Nicole cut me out of the story. Sorry, sorry. I we just we got I got on a tangent. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's no, we're gonna circle back. We're gonna circle back. But um, do like do people not like Max for any valid reason, or is it just because he's really good? Because I can't see any reason. Like I think he's like cute and go you for winning. Like it's. I think it's something that you always see is nobody likes the person that's doing really well. Um, yeah. For a long time, that was, you know, for a long time, it was Sebastian Vettel and that was mm-hmm. him for mm-hmm. a while. And people were like, ugh, like when will the Sebastian Vettel age end? Because like he's mm-hmm. just continuously winning. He's winning all the championships. He's just like winning, winning, winning. And we're over it. We want some excitement. We want something new. Mm-hmm. And then it was Lewis Hamilton and he just kept winning and winning and winning and people were excited about it at first, but then everyone was like, "Ugh, this is so boring. Lewis just keeps winning. And like, yeah. then people turn on, like when you're at, like, I mean, it's the thing people always say, it's really lonely at the top. You're at the top and everyone yeah. roots for you to get there. And then once you're there, people like want you to crash and burn after. So I think mm-hmm. it was like that for a while. And, and Lewis is just like, Lewis is such a great person that he has really diehard fans and like people are like team Lewis all the way. And so then Max came in and he, I think the first thing that a lot of people um, were intrigued in or intrigued by about Max and maybe not in like a great way was he had a very um, different entry to the sport where most people are carting their entire lives and then they're like working their way from formula three to formula two to formula one. And it can usually take years to do that. And Mm -hmm. Max kind of skipped a couple steps um, and was all of a sudden at 17 years old in formula one. And he was like the youngest person to be like starting a race and his first race with Red Bull, he won. And so I think, and it was actually because of, Max Verstappen's entrance into Formula One that they installed the rule about super license and the super license points. And you have to have a certain number of super license points to be eligible to be in Formula One. And it was because they didn't like that. And they were like, we don't want people to just like kind of stumble into F1 and skip these other steps that other people are doing. Um, I mean, 
obviously it worked out for him because he's now world champion. But <laughs> yeah. so I think people at first were just kind of like iffy on that. And then he also like was a little bit of a shit when he first started. Yes. He was like, okay, had a bad attitude. He's a, he, he was a always, 17 year old boy. Yeah, right. He was a yeah. 17 year old boy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was very aggressive on the track. He was some might argue like a little dangerous just because he was really okay, aggressive yeah. and trying these things. Yeah. And people were like, oh, who is this like young kid coming in and just kind of like fucking things up and like being over the top and aggressive and mm-hmm. whatever. And people were just kind of like, okay, chill out. Um, and then you both love Daniel Ricardo, And I'm sure you saw it on Drive to Survive where Danny and Max – were teammates and it ended up that Max was getting paid a lot more and Danny felt like kind of pushed out because of that because Max became the Red Bull golden child Mm -hmm. and I think that was a point when people were like also iffy on him because everyone roots for an underdog and Max just clearly at that point was not an underdog anymore Mm -hmm. at all and he was getting older he was getting better he was winning he was making a lot of money and he was like the golden apple of Red Bull's eye. And so people love to hate people that are doing well. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of where a lot of the animosity came in. He's also Dutch. And I think that there's like a lot of like stereotypes and and just kind of personality wise, they're very blunt. They're very short. They're not going to like joke around a ton and they're Mm -hmm. very just straight to the point. And a lot of people think that he's just an asshole and he Mm -hmm. is rude and and mean to people. And it's, I think a lot of it is just perception and and cultural differences. Um, So people have a lot of opinions. Um, And then a lot of people were mad at him for Circumstances kind of out of his control at the end of last season, the final race where Max yeah. took the mm-hmm. championship. Um, I don't think either driver was in the right or in the wrong. I don't think it was Max's fault that that happened. I don't think it was Lewis's fault that it didn't happen. I think it was F1 as a whole and the race directors and the, and like that whole that's kind of what happened. So I think it's a little unfair mm-hmm. that Max is totally blamed for it. Yeah. Um. But that's kind of a, a a little bit of a background why people maybe don't like Max. And I think same is to be said for Lewis. People kind of yeah. think the same thing. He was just a champion for so long that people were kind of sick of it. And that's it. Yeah. I think everyone has that when you're really good. <laughs> and like every spectacle has a villain, whether yes. it, like whether we pick it or not, it's just mm-hmm. to make things entertaining. I feel like the world just must have a hero and must have a villain. That right. was a great answer because I have been wondering, obviously I haven't been in the game for long enough to know all the context. And I was like, I'm not seeing a really nasty side to Max at all, but yeah. I'm seeing him getting booed and blah, blah, blah. And I was just wondering if it was a like underdog sort of to now being the best in the game. Um, there was transition. also just such a, a an on-track rivalry between Max and Lewis last year. They mm-hmm. were like neck and neck um, for championship points all season where it's like any kind of rival sports team. You, mm-hmm. you do not like your team's rival. And so yeah. and Max and Lewis right now, I think, have the most opinionated fan bases and the mm-hmm. largest fan bases. And so there is just a lot of animosity between them and pitting them against each other and kind of – so I think Lewis gets yeah. booed anywhere where there's a lot of Max fans and Max get yeah. booed, gets booed anywhere there is a lot of Lewis fans. Um, but I will say that if you – since you're you're like more recently coming into it and you're saying you haven't seen a lot of like any reason to, to not like Max – They've definitely been going on a PR campaign for Max yeah. and like making <laughs> oh, his image better. They are I like I I do PR and so it's like very funny for me to watch it because I'm like you your team yeah. is working on it's this. Been like you yeah. <laughs> your team is working on it. There's been so many photos of him like smiling and like with his girlfriend, with his girlfriend's daughter all over yeah. that it's like you're you're working on your image and uh we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so Kate, who's your favorite and how did you get into it? So I got into it because of Nicole um, in ah. a very like fan fiction kind of way. Nicole and I were good friends. We started working together. She got me my first job out of college, um, which is mm-hmm. also where I met 
my fiance and Nicole and her ex were kind of the only couple we knew uh, who lived in Boston at the same time as us. And we ended up moving in next to each other. So it was very like sitcom style, best friends living next to each other. And Nicole would always be watching the races on Sunday. And so she'd be like, Kate, Nick, come over, watch the races with us. Kate, we can drink and eat food. And Nick can like really watch the race because it's sports and he'll, (laughs) I know he'll love it. And so we started doing that and just kind of like got into it. Um, My first favorite driver was Kimi Raikkonen. Um, Loved him. The first race I ever watched, uh, he won. So it was just like very special to me. And I was like, I I have to. Like, you know, yeah. you watch something yeah. and you're like, you yeah. won. So I obviously like you am won. caring about you a lot. Uh, and then now my favorite driver is uh, Charles Leclerc. Oh. I just yeah. – he is – I could wax He's poetic about him. <laughs> but <laughs> from his face to his voice to his talent, uh, he's really everything to me. Oh. And what's everyone's <laughs> thoughts on um, Lando Norris? I I mean, I think generally I like him. Um, I'm a little upset with him currently because of his comments towards Danny um, and mm-hmm. his behavior of late with allegedly maybe cheating on his girlfriend, um, oh, which we what? don't love so much. Yeah, there's some rumors we'll get into on it. that. We'll get um, into it. But, you know, I think... <laughs> I think similar how Max is Christian Horner's golden child at Red Bull, Lando is very much Zach Brown's golden child at McLaren. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Danny always ends up fi- on teams where he is just not the golden child. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, and so I think, you know, McLaren is really pinning a lot of their hopes and dreams on Lando winning a world championship for them. Um, you know, we'll see if that's going to end up being the case. They do have a lot of shit to figure out with their car itself. Um, but we'll see if Lando chokes under the immense pressure of being carrying the weight of the team on his shoulders. And who's your, both of your favorite, um, like team leader? Like I love Toto. Yeah. I mean, mean, like, is that a, is that a, um, (laughs) non-hot take does everyone just love toto um i mean toto? i love toto i think honestly we miss cyril if you remember cyril yes. who was Renault's team principal back when oh yeah it was danny era at Renault. um miss cyril desperately like he was definitely our favorite team principal yes um and we want I him also to like, make a return is it gunther gunther mm-hmm. yes we i love, love gunther i love him He's so fucking crack up. And it's like, he just never wants for that much. Like, he just wants to get through the races and he makes hilarious calls. And it looks like everyone around the track loves him. And I'm just like, oh. He was, you know, he was definitely the first person who was like, yes, Netflix. Like, I'll, I don't care. Oh, Haas is in. Yeah. Haas is in like, Why did I know Netflix? so much about Haas? I thought, I thought that Haas was such a bigger part of everyone than, like, it was based on season one of Drive to Survive. It's and so funny. And my brothers funny. would be like, that mid, that mid, or like that. Yeah. I don't know, further back. I was like, oh. I know. And it's oh, funny, too, because so he, great. like, he made his dreams happen. He went oh. and convinced uh, Gene Haas to get into F1 so that he could be a team principal. And so, like, I just love his energy and his drive, um, quote unquote, to survive um, in <laughs> Formula One. So he's yeah. just an absolute icon. Yeah, Gunther and is our girl boss. Yeah. Like, yeah. he had girl boss dreams and he went out and made them happen. And, like, we love that about him. And he's had to like he's had to do some things that he just did not want to do, like the Russian guy. Yeah, having him in the t- like. <laughs> sorry, that was just. If I was Gunther, I just would have been. I mean, you got to do it because you love the thing, but it would be so hard to have someone with a whole fuck ton of money breathing down your neck, yeah. making you do shit that you know isn't best for the team. Yeah. They needed that money. He needed that money to stay in the and game, I'm, and he he made it happen. But at what cost? At what yeah. cost? His soul. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Do you have any other questions for us that you're wondering about that you're thinking 
Oh, okay, yeah. Why is everyone talking about um, Ferrari's strategists? Because <laughs> <sighs> they oh. don't have any. It's. Oh. I think it's a big, like, historical thing with Ferrari is, like, they'll do really well and then they just, like, ruin it for themselves. And especially yeah. this season, like, this has been, like, the best season, like, the best chance they've had in years to potentially get a world championship. Um, you know, Charles came out swinging and he won a couple races and they looked great and they were fast and they still are, but they just keep making these strategy calls that are just so questionable and like, don't make a lot of sense. Like, you know, Charles is leading and they're like, let's pit him for a new set of tires. And like, basically let's give up the lead to make him faster on new tires. And then just allow his rivals to like get in front of him. And it's like, you didn't have to do that. Like they're just, I don't think people really understand where their heads are at. Right. right Yeah. Cause is, is Ferrari like, cause since I've been watching, they have not been winning that much, but everyone wants to race for them. So are they like a legacy? Like, you know, you, regardless of how they do, you want to be in the red car. They are, I think, the only team on the grid that has competed in every single year of Formula One. Mm -hmm. So they are like one of the just original teams and they're just an iconic brand and an iconic team. So many of like the great F1 drivers have not only driven for Ferrari, but become world champions with Ferrari. Mm -hmm. So you had Michael Schumacher. um, You had, like, just so many drivers that are, like, legendary in the sport have driven for Ferrari. And and just as a brand, they're so big that, like, there's a quote out there that's, like, you know, even if, like, even if you're not a Ferrari fan, like, everyone is a Ferrari fan. Like you, yeah. everyone is a yeah. Ferrari fan, even if they say they're not. And I think that's super true. And so people are just kind of like, everyone wants to drive for it just because it's like almost like a it's badge iconic. of honor. Yeah, yeah. It's a badge of honor to say that you were on Ferrari. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And like, you can't help but root for them because they don't really cause that much like drama. Yeah. So you're sort of just like, you're quite easy to go for. Also, yeah, Charles. And oh, no, oh my God, Carlos Sainz, I think is my favorite driver. Okay. Great choice. Great choice. Why Great have choice. we gone this far and I haven't even thought about <laughs> Carlos? I also just think and it's not about this, but he's so hot. I he's, love yes. Carlos. Yeah. That okay. bottom just, lip that's just like... Mm. Mm. He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's his. He's got great hair. One of the things we uh, rail against here is that Ferrari takes and posts the worst photos of him on social media. Yes. Um, they just do him absolutely so dirty that yes. we actually started a change.org petition <laughs> um, that you got, you can all go to the link in our bio and sign if Icons. you feel so inclined um, that it's just, it just feels like a crime against humanity to post these horrible photos of Carlos Sainz because look at him. Yeah, because yeah. I was trying to show Ruby. She was asking who my favorite person was and her boyfriend was there too. And they were both saying like, oh, if you're going off looks, like look at Charles Leclerc, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, look at Carlos. And then <laughs> we were trying to find a photo and I was like, honestly, these it's like showing like someone yeah. who started dating. And just it's believe like, me. It, it doesn't I'm, just like, they look, They're way cuter in person. They're, you just have to see them in person. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so um, true, though. I do have to say, ladies, that I have to catch a flight to the states at some point soon, so I can't be here much longer. That's all right. We, I think, we've had an incredible conversation, um, and you know that you can always reach out to us at any point in time with any more questions that you have. We will yeah, answer them. I will um, with whatever you need. Um, but thank you so much, Lucy, for, for coming on the TG1F pod. Oh, this is, it just feels like a catch up with friends. Like, I think we should just do this again because it's so fun. Next time I come to the States, I'll come and find you both somehow. I mean, I wish that you were going to Austin in like a month month. so that you could come to the Austin Grand Prix with us. 
Mm-hmm. I know. And I just missed the Harry Styles concert as well. Yeah. Oh. I, no, but I'm really tough excited. Luck. Oh, groaning <laughs> on mic. Like, God, I get uh, <laughs> mood. <laughs> but this has been wonderful. And thank you very much for having me. Thank, thank you. you so much for being here. This was amazing. This is the first, but amazing. certainly not the last time we will talk to you. Oh, definitely not. Definitely. <laughs> All right, Lucy, well, safe travels and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 I know we say this after every single guest interview, but like, honestly, <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. I mean, I think that means that we have really good taste mm. in oh. guests because we're obsessed with pretty much everyone that has ever been on this show. <laughs> Honestly, that's so true, Bestie. Like, we just know how to pick them, huh? We sure do. We sure do. And, well, I mean, I would like to say I think Lucy picked us on this one because – so true. Uh, I just I can't believe we just had her on our show. It was so much fun. She's amazing. I feel like she we've just been kind of collecting these incredible women from mm-hmm. around the country, around the globe that we start talking to them and we're like, you are just our long lost best friend. <laughs> and the vibes are right immediately. We just really clicked. And I I just can't wait to like continue this this friendship with her that I think I know like I already feel like we're like very good friends yeah yeah <laughs> I know it's crazy it just like like you said we clicked almost immediately it was it just so much fun to have someone like it's so fun to have people who get it yes on the podcast and um to know like as someone who's been following her journey for a while um Mm -hmm. it was super exciting to be able to get some of the more the more detailed backstory and like I said to finally have her in the f1 fandom I mean it's just great and I think you know you and I and we talked about this when we talked to her like our whole thing is that F1 is pop culture and pop culture is F1 and there's really no other way to slice and dice it. And the fact that, you know, she's bringing it to the masses is huge. Mm -hmm. And the more the merrier in terms of F1 fans, like I want to talk to everyone I ever meet about F1. So like the more people that find out about it and become a fan, the more people I get to talk to about it. And I love that. The better off we are. And Especially to have more fangirls involved in the sport and especially at such a high level um, is such a positive sign for for me, for us, for the community, because it's just like, you get it. You get it. And for her to say, I thought it was so interesting when she was talking about being a fangirl and how that taught her everything. And she's like, I would put that on my resume and anyone else who did that should, because it's so true. And the fact that she's like, you know, being a fangirl taught me everything, but it also Mm -hmm. does not detract from me talking about, you know, the news and, and very like factual news, um, which I was like, yes, yes. As the great Shrek once said, we have layers, baby. (laughs) You know, we're not just one dimensional. We're not just one thing. We are onions and we have layers. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. You can be a fangirl and you can love politics and you can love the news and you can be interested in healthcare and you can be interested in music and art and literature and sports and fashion and makeup and anything. You can literally like anything because we are human beings and that is like, that is the beauty of being a part of the human race. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> really, that just and you right and I, me. you and I share the same brain, so I could have said it. You could have, but you, you said did. it for me. So thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. I felt it, I felt your thoughts in my brain too, and they were just coming out of me, and it was like I was possessed by our shared brain. <laughs> before we before we wrap this up, I think it. I think we have to run a sponsored ad break. I think we'd have to run a sponsored ad break as well because we do. 
you know, we haven't done one of these in a while because no. our main sponsor was kind of out of commission for a while. For a while. But they're back and better than ever. Better than ever. So, I mean, thank you so much to Two Girls, One Formula for supporting us always and, you know, providing us and other F1 fans with such affordable, accessible, adorable Formula One merch. Oh, I love that little alliteration there. You like that alliteration? Yeah. Affordable, accessible, adorable. The three E's. Yeah. The three A's. The three, the three E's. <laughs> the three A's. <laughs> the triple A's, as And in case say. you missed it, in case you missed the big news announcement this week, twogirlsoneformula.com is live and fully stocked with an entirely brand new merch collection. She live, baby. She's live. She's got your driver collection. She's got your box, box, box. She's got your Ricardo. And she's even got a newly designed Austin merch line. Limited edition. Will be going away after the Austin Grand Prix. You won't want to miss this. You won't want to miss it. And brand new. We have a pride collection. We do. Because as everyone knows, two girls in formula is here for the girls, the gays, and the theys. And some cool dudes. So I think something else about the the collection and the website that we want to highlight is that we have, I think, one of the most supportive communities out there. Um, we get so much support from so many different people. And we just feel like, you know, with the support that we get, we want to make sure that we are supporting our community members right back. And so because of that, um, we will be donating 10% of our proceeds from the merch sales uh, to organizations like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. And the Pride Collection process, profits from, from that collection specifically uh, will be donated, a, a percentage of them will be donated to the Trevor Project. So you can find out more about all of those um, organizations by going to our website and clicking on the links and checking them out to see if you want to support them too. But uh, that's something that we are, I think, most excited about with this new launch. Absolutely. I mean, that's all we can really say about that. And that's I guess all I just have to until, say about that. Until next week, guys. We'll see you on the internet. We'll see you on the internet. Bye. Bye. There wasn't even a flop outfit. I just asked the question and then all the Harry Styles stands decided that they hated oh. me for the day. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, what do you mean? Their Harry Styles doesn't have a flop yes. outfit. And I was okay, like, but and you were like, least... that was the point. That was the point of my question. I know. But all, all intentions are stripped on the internet. No one yeah. ever looks yep. further. Well, I mean, this is nowhere even close to getting um, cancelled by the hairy stands uh but we did get we did get uh we did get our first um hate account made about us um by who we're assuming is just a bunch of like 14 year old boys who were really mad about our thirst trap thursday posts and they literally made an instagram account called two girls one formula haters group oh my god yeah (laughs) and for like a full week it was like their only mission to like destroy us no and like (laughs) honestly the tangents we could go on about when we first started and we were posting harry styles and the news and the frenzy that threw like middle-aged men into about how it legitimizes everything we do and blah blah like oh so much oh i well i would love to talk about that because that is a very common interaction Mm -hmm. that we have um and all that, the time. you know, motorsport and F1 has for mm-hmm. so long been just like a male dominated conversation piece. Um, and so now that more women are joining, they're very upset by it. And they do not like how we are having conversations about the sport, conversations about fandom and, and the drivers. And it is just, it's mm. so funny to watch them like rage against traditional conversations. Oh, like, rage against the so, machine yeah. that is us. Literally. <laughs> Just like women. <laughs> that is women enjoying anything. <laughs> Literally. It's, Always. 
it's always a problem when women start to like anything that men loosely yeah. like. I always think about this tweet that I saw a few years ago that was like, name me one thing that a young girl can like or enjoy doing that won't get ridiculed. And it's like, you know, she likes this band. You're going to ask her, how many ACDC songs do you know? Or like, it's just nothing. We just can't really do anything. Hopefully it's you, changing. Even if it's like, oh, she likes makeup. One of the most yes. like stereotypically female things. It's like, oh, she's so vapid and vain, yeah. and like you just get ridiculed. I'm like, oh, what do you want me to like? Like, what do you want yeah. from me? Literally. They don't want us to like anything. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw a, t- a TikTok I think recently too, where it was about pumpkin spice lattes, and they're <sighs> like, pumpkin spice is just like a traditional baking spice, and they're like, so God forbid women are interested <laughs> in going back to their roots and finding comfort in <laughs> this baking spices that is traditionally female, and I was like, you know what? Amen. <laughs> it's like people having a problem i mean we don't have pumpkin spice here in new zealand so okay well i'm, I'm sorry i wish you tried it okay well, well, so you're coming to the states yeah so yeah so i can't it's pumpkin get, spice season get yourself right a pumpkin spice latte please i need to know I'm your thoughts to. on it or like a I'm pumpkin cream cold brew is like my personal go-to like you just wow. have to have have a little honestly you go to starbucks and there's like 15 pumpkin things there okay. there's pumpkin muffins pumpkin bread so just okay try it all. It's, a, it's a real american <laughs> tradition i'm gonna have talk about american time <laughs> talk you. about shit you should care about you should care about <laughs> pumpkin spice foods that's like breaking news that i've never tried pumpkin spice anything but like it's so romanticized on all the i remember growing up watching like vlogs and stuff and being like i wish i was having this you guys call it fall I wish I was having this fall, like, dream, but we just have autumn and it's in the, like, uh, whole opposite side of the year. Yeah, you guys are in spring now? Yeah. Yes. Just finished yes. winter. Yeah. Wow. Also, though, I won't lie to you, you always want you, what you can't have because I would love for us to call it autumn more often. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. that makes me feel warm and cozy where, like, fall, yeah. I'm just, like, it doesn't give me that same feeling, but, like, autumn feels like... Yeah, Autumn warm. is way more romantic, honestly. Yes. That. I'd love to romanticize yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. And actually, now I'm thinking, doesn't Taylor Swift sing? There's like a line and she talks yes. about the autumn leaves. And it's like, bro, why did you not use fall? I guess she's a London girl. Well, because <laughs> I think she and says Autumn the, sounds way better. Yeah. Well, it doesn't she? It's in All Too Well and she does like, she uses like autumn leaves falling. So like she couldn't. Yeah. She can't use the fall, fall leaves falling. falling. So <laughs> fall leaves autumning. <laughs> and fall as an artistic, <laughs> poetic writer, she had to to use the synonym for fall. Bro, <laughs> go off, Taylor. <laughs> uh, and who I'm are just... we? Who are we to criticize Miss Taylor Swift? No. Oh, no. On the legs. Okay, no. talk about someone that something that we should stay away from if we don't want people to come after us for potentially saying something wrong. Literally. The the Harrys and the Swifties, I can't, you don't want to. You don't don't want to piss them off because I'm very strong. And also (laughs) I am one of both of them. So I'm sort of like, these are my sisters. Sisters and brothers. (laughs) Um, For everyone watching on Twitch, the voice you hear, just so you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is Lucy from Shit You Should Care About. She has her video off, um, so you're just hearing a voice. But uh, just so you know, that is who you're hearing. Abby, we're Hi, everyone. Right, same same wavelength here, Abby, because she just said, quick question, who is this lovely Kiwi gal we're listening to right now? So <laughs> oh. same wavelength, we're right here. <laughs> it's Lucy. I run Shit You Should Care About, and I am the lovely Kiwi gal. You are. <laughs> Absolutely. loveliest kiwi gal i've ever met so true oh y'all you're the loveliest person from massachusetts i've ever met because <laughs> also the only one and nicole i actually don't know anyone in brooklyn either <laughs> <laughs> well wow. those are two badges of honor that yeah. we will wear proudly <laughs> and shall. next time you meet someone else from massachusetts i hope you're like you're the second best person i <laughs> yeah. have ever met from there so i'll I hope that yeah. I retain that title, no matter what. I mean, unless unless someday you meet, like, Ben Affleck, then maybe he can be above okay. Kate, just because he's Ben Affleck, you know? No. 
Chris Evans. Are you kidding me? Chris, okay, Chris Evans. Chris okay, Evans I was can like, be above you. I was trying to. Think I was feeling super offended. Is that how you feel, Nicole? Like <laughs> Megan Trainor like, is better than me. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, like Megan Trainor. Cool. Is it Megan Trainor or Megan? Megan. Megan. Um, she is so interesting because I feel like TikTok has made some really obscure celebrities. Like they've made me really love them and care about them. Like I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really know much about Megan Trainer or her Spy Kids boyfriend or her gorgeous baby with the like glasses before Junie. TikTok. And now I'm like, Lucy, why do you know so much about <laughs> these obscure celebrities? And it's the beauty, isn't it? TikTok is real. Yes. TikTok is amazing. It lets you really reach so many audiences and like build an incredible <laughs> platform. Um, so good for her on capitalizing and becoming oh, yeah. almost yeah. an A-list celebrity at this point. Um, yeah. On TikTok. So true. Yeah. Fun fact, um, if you do ever meet her, you will have to battle with me because she is from pretty much right where I live right now. So. Oh. Yeah, you are kind of giving Megan Trainer vibes. That's that's a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) I am all about that base. Yeah. No trouble. No trouble. (laughs) No trouble. This is real funny. Like, I've never had preamble to a podcast that, (laughs) like, because I record two podcasts a week for shit you care about, and we never preamble this long. So it's kind of like warming me up quite well. You know, you got to get the chemistry flowing, you got to get the conversation flowing. So then when you jump in, you're like already there, you know? Yeah. It's already normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened quite quick for us. I I think, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad (laughs) because it feels like we've known you for so long. Oh yeah, well, it really does. We've been trying to make this happen for <laughs> so long, <laughs> so long. Um, I was just thinking because I do. I think that you're the first person from New Zealand that I've ever met. Mm. I don't oh think that there's anyone else that could really battle with you for my favorite, other than like if I ever meet Lord. Yeah, and she is a, a battle. Yeah, <laughs> she's also yeah, she's fucking cool. Okay. What about Taika? Do you know who Taika Waititi is? Yes. 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 He can beat me. Okay. Jacinda Ardern as well. Jacinda's a legend. Yeah. Okay. Prime Minister. Okay. Amazing. Okay. So, okay, so we've yeah. got a long list that well, I actually, love you, Lucy. Sorry about that. I have, technically, I have met Lord once, but not really met her because I just physically ran into her on the street once. Oh. She's... Yeah. Um, We've interviewed her before, and she's, like, best friends with – New Zealand's so small, so she's best friends with my mentor. Who, mm, amazing. So it's just – it is kind of like, a, though, when you meet your heroes, like, in your actual day-to-day life, and, and yeah. it's just like, <laughs> oh, I kind of want to hold on to the 16-year-old Lucy, like, um, being obsessed yeah. with you because I didn't know you because now it's weird because we are invited to the same events or whatever, and I'm, I'm kind of like <laughs> – no, I just won't go to keep this air of mystery about you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so funny. 